The death of Trayvon Martin hit me hard. And the acquittal of George Zimmerman hit me even harder. But my priest always said, you know, you can pray all you want. You know, you, you, until you do something about it, you're just talking. <laughs> Those are the words of Eric Blunt, a Detroit resident. But it's the sentiment behind those words that inspired a movement to change policing nationwide. One that came to climax last year following the murder of George Floyd. Eric has long had concerns with policing, particularly here in Detroit. But back in 2015, he chose to try and tackle it his own way. Going straight to the body that provides oversight to the Detroit Police Department. The body known as the Board of Police Commissioners. The issue is there have been some serious concerns raised about that board. From citizens. If their purpose is to address police misconduct and they rarely get to it. And when they get to it, there's very little substance to it. I think that's a definition of dysfunctional. To reporters. BOPC often operates more like a mouthpiece for the police department than the people who are supposed to be holding them accountable. And from the Detroit Free Press's own editorial board. There's a lot of rubber stamping of things. This November, seven of the 11 seats on Detroit's Board of Police Commissioners are on the ballot. And Detroiters will have a say on how the commission operates going forward. Simply put, the future of Detroit police oversight is at stake here. On this episode, we dive into what the Police Oversight Board does and those who are trying to hold an accountability board, well, accountable. I'm Kerry Jr. II, and this is On The Line. Uh, could you start by introducing yourself, your first and last name, where you're from, and your age? What's my age got to do with it, young man? <laughs> I'm just playing. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, Eric Blunt, over 60. <laughs> Eric has lived on Detroit's west side all his life. He's a retired accountant and a pastor. After Trayvon's death, Eric began searching for a way to act. It was, it was a continual struggle, and, and, and what do I do and how do I do it? It was only through uh, talking... Uh, with my priest that he introduced me to Ron Scott and they were lifelong friends. And, and Ron Scott is a uh, organizer, community activist. So Ron Scott told me that, you know, if you're really interested in brutality by law enforcement and like kinds, you ought to come to the Board of Police Commissioners meeting with me and see what they do, how they do it, and um, how they avoid doing anything of really any significant matter. What was it like when you went to that first meeting? Can you just walk me through that day? Oh, it's extremely intimidating because it's, it's, it's going into the lion's den to complain about the lion. Okay, you go to police headquarters. Oh, give me your badge or give me your give me your I.D., you know, and then we're going to search you. You go into a little small elevator and you go up three floors and you go out. But all around you is nothing but police officers. So there's this tremendous uh, intimidation factor. 
But Eric says that didn't stop him. He said he actually called out the head of homicide because of concerns of something said. And how many meetings have you attended? Oh, 52 weeks in a year. They probably meet 40 times. 40 times 5 is 200. I'd say 150. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You you are there to, to talk about or to keep the commission on their toes for police brutality specifically. That's kind of the main reason why you attend those meetings. Yeah, to, to give a voice to the voiceless. So in full disclosure, part of why we wanted to take a look at this issue is because of a piece the Detroit Free Press editorial board recently published highlighting concerns with the police commission. The first thing that you might notice if you go to a board of police commissioners meeting is that they are what you might politely describe as contentious. That's Free Press columnist Nancy Kaffer, who sits on the editorial board. Um, You might more frankly describe them as dysfunctional. When we were interviewing candidates, we said to them, is that fair? And they said, yeah, that's a pretty fair description. So this isn't just me saying this board is not really working. The people who are on it don't think it works super well. If you've been listening to our podcast, Nancy's role is a bit different than the reporters you've heard me speak with. She writes columns for our opinion section. When I write a column, it's my opinion. It's, you know... It's a fact-based opinion. We don't write things like, oh, I think this stinks because I don't like it. Our opinions are informed. We research, we report, we do a lot of the same stuff our news colleagues do, but then we put it into a context of, of, of analysis that makes it an opinion piece. So just to be clear, when you read an article in the free press, you're getting just the facts. Who said what, when, what it's meant, all that. Nancy's piece have all of that plus her opinion. And she's also a part of the editorial board at the paper that comes together to do that same sort of opinion giving, but as a single voice. We also write editorials, which are the institutional voice of the paper. The editorial is signed by the Detroit Free Press editorial board, which means it's the consensus of a group of people who comprise the editorial board. This time, the editorial board came to the consensus that the board of police commissioners was quote unquote failing Detroiters. A mood in this country. We're calling for police reform. Even people who don't like the slogan "defund the police." When you sit down and talk about the the components of that movement, that we've piled too much work on police officers, that we should have more social workers. Say, oh yeah, those things are right. We have this civilian oversight board that should be a strong voice for doing things differently. You know, it's just not really very effective. So we wanted to delve into the history of the Board of Police Commissioners, how we got here, what's going on with the board, why we feel like it's not doing its job. What is the Board of Police Commissioners? The Board of Police Commissioners is an 11-member board that is intended to provide civilian oversight of the Detroit Police Department. It was created in 1974 The city had had a lot of trouble with the police department at that time. There was the 67 unrest. But what was directly connected to was a Detroit squad called Stress that was started in 1971. This was a a police squad that was deadly for black men in Detroit. It members shot a shocking number of people (laughs) over the three years that the squad was in operation and When Coleman Young ran for mayor, one of the things he campaigned on was that he was going to correct these problems in the Detroit Police Department. And he championed this board of police commissioners. 
it wasn't until BOPC came along that it started getting people to pay attention to the policies behind the way people were being treated. That is an old friend of ours, Bryce Huffman. He's a reporter at Bridge Detroit who covers the board. And, you know, that was one of the early successes of BOPC. And how did you start covering BOPC? Well, last year, you know, obviously, like a lot of cities in, in the U.S., we had a huge reckoning when it came to the way that we view policing. Um, these are moments that have really been brewing for a long time, but with kind of this intensified microscope on uh, policing and the way police um, particularly operate in black and brown neighborhoods, I started covering the meetings just as a way to kind of familiarize myself with um, some of the in and outs of the department. They are the group of people who are tasked with having oversight of the police department, how they spend their money, um, when they are drawing up new policies, or um, when they adopt new technologies. BOPC are the people who are supposed to be asking questions about those technologies. Um, they're supposed to draft policies for how the police can use those things uh, and how they can't use those things. We're talking about policing in the city in a majority black city and, you know, nationwide, there's been a, a microscope on these issues. How has the board handled that now, given it's been around, it was born kind of out of these same kind of concerns? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it was born out of the same types of conflicts and same types of issues that we are still seeing in policing today. But now BOPC often operates more like a mouthpiece for the police department than the people who are supposed to be holding them accountable, right? So there are a lot of meetings where resolutions get passed to honor a retired police officer. And while that's nice and all, and I don't think it's wrong to honor police officers, the body just doesn't function as it's supposed to. It's supposed to be holding police accountable when they make mistakes, but those who do attend the meetings, what, what do they say about the commission and how they've been handling things? Um, there's a lot of different opinions about the commission. Uh, if you've ever tuned into one of these meetings, they bicker back and forth about petty language and resolutions. Uh, Mr. Chairman, this is Commissioner Burton speaking. Mr. Burton, you do not I, have I the floor. I'm that you give the floor. That, you give Ms. Brenda Hill back her minute and a half her time back. So that's something that gets called out almost every week. Um, commenters regularly talk about uh, the commission's lack of vigilance. You know, one of the one of the people who comments every week is uh, Eric Blunt. It's Eric Blunt from Sacred Heart Catholic Church. And he talks about the fact that they spend a lot of time in the meetings not talking about police accountability. They, this officer has been suspended without pay. Something seriously went wrong with police misconduct with this officer, and yet no one in the second precinct knows anything about it. So it's, it's things like that where people are noticing that they're not doing the role that they were founded for. Um, and then the third thing people often talk about is that um, there's the lack of scrutiny on the police department itself. I think it had been about a month or more where DPD, during their crime stats, they weren't giving any sexual assault numbers, right? And that's like a solid five or six weeks of meetings where uh, something that they would normally give every single week just weren't being mentioned at all. 
And it wasn't until one commissioner asked about it that anyone in the department acknowledged it. And it's that type of thing. They see a problem, but then they just don't say anything in the meetings. They don't ask further. They have final say on police discipline. Nancy Kaffer again. And they also have something called the Office of the Chief Investigator, which is supposed to handle citizen complaints, of which the department gets about a thousand each year. So they have a team who investigates these complaints, tries to substantiate the claim or the complaint or find that it doesn't have merit, and then recommends you know a disciplinary action. Um, there's very poor follow through on how all that happens. You know, this is a board that could raise the alarm when an officer who has repeat claims could be, you know. This is this is the kind of thing that could be happening. The board, rather than being like this aggressive voice to dig into what's happening in the department, to really stand up for the citizens who are making complaints, it seems like they get hung up on smaller issues that have to do with personality clashes. After the break, we get into the impacts of public feedback and the different ways these concerns can be addressed. Plus, we provide crucial voting information. Stick around. All right. Hey, Carlos, just a quick idea. How about if I say, hey, this is Sean Windsor, and you say, hey, this is Carlos Mars, and I'll go, and then we'll go back. You want, you want to try that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. You ready? Yep. Hey, this is Sean Windsor. And this is Carlos Menares. And we are the team behind Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, where we are going to talk about, you guessed it, sports, but lots of other stuff. Like what, Carlos? Oh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, Sean, food. Um, Probably more food. Arts, culture, sports, TV, movies, you name it. If it's happened in Detroit, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to have guests in who obviously know a lot more than we do about just about everything. But we're going to have some free press journalists to talk about big stories, folks from the sports world. We're going to be out every Thursday. You can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We hope you'll join us. And we're back, speaking with Bryce Huffman of Bridge Detroit and Detroit Free Press columnist Nancy Kaffer about concerns raised with the Detroit Board of Police Commissioners. What do commissioners say? Have they been, has anyone addressed them and said, hey, could you ask more questions about this? Has it happened? And what is their response if it has? A lot of people who don't uh, tune into these meetings regularly might be surprised to learn that they do public comment almost at the very end of the meeting every week. Um which does two things. It allows residents to hear everything before they comment, but it also uh, it robs the commissioners of hearing resident comments before they vote on things or before they pass resolutions. And when residents do speak out in public comment about certain things that commissioners do or don't say or do or don't ask about, um, the commissioners usually don't respond to those public comments during the meetings. But in the last few meetings, something I've noticed is uh, Vice Chair Martin Jones uh, and even Chair Reverend Jim Holly, they've been a little bit more vocal about what they're hearing from residents after their comments. Um, some of that could be praise for the police department. Um, some of it can be flat out skepticism of the police and the board um, and how the board operates. Have you seen the feedback actually come to real work or real policy? Oh, yeah. Um, I think... 
The, the biggest example of that is facial recognition technology. It's still controversial. Nancy Kaffer again. It has a high rate of misidentifying black and brown faces, which is Detroit is a majority black city. And yet the Detroit Police Department, you know, purchased facial recognition technology and started using it for 18 months without ever bringing it to the board. This was under Chief James Craig. And Eric Blunt, the frequent citizen flyer at these meetings, certainly remembers that one. So I was there when they said, whoops, you know, whoops, I'm sorry I didn't come to you guys first and I know I should have, but here it is. And no one says anything about stopping this thing completely. And even people from MIT, programmers who uh, helped create the algorithms were like, no, this is not good for law enforcement. It, it, it should not be used. It is, it is wrong. It is dangerous. Statement. Civilians, civilians are not going to be the only ones impacted by this technology. Your so time will is police up. Respect the process. This racially biased system. When, when citizens first found out that the police department was using this technology. Um, and this was, this was a while ago. This is 2019 when the board did draft a policy. Um, they drafted that policy very much in reaction to what they heard from residents. And some people might say, well, the board only did it because there was backlash. But I also think that as the civilian oversight board, that is part of how they should function. And that brings us to you and the power the average person has on this board and the upcoming vote on who sits on that board. In anticipation for November's election, the Free Press editorial board spoke with the candidates on the ballot this year. And that meant the current board members had an opportunity to respond to the concerns being raised about the body's operations. I had a question about the board. Uh, I watch your meetings and I think that often they could be generously described as contentious. I'm sorry, as what? That's Commissioner Lisa Carter. Contentious? Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a, a diplomatic way to describe it. The, we have definitely had some um, difficult meetings. It, it does make it hard for us to advocate for ourselves when we can't get it together, or we seem like we can't get it together. We get things passed um, because the majority of the board uh, and that's all we need is a majority vote, um, agrees um, or disagrees with whatever is happening um, at that time. So I think that, that although there's often, a lot of times, chaos, um, I think that we still manage to get things done. Um, are we where we should be? No, we, we are not. I think that we need to get back to oversight. The contentiousness that had been very, very present on the board um, was very destructive of the, of the charter given mission, as you put it. Commissioner Linda Bernard. It has eased up considerably with Jim Holly as chair. So the contentiousness within the board has subsided uh, considerably. It's not a good look for people to watch. Commissioner Willie Bell. These individuals have voted no on every major issue uh, that had come before that board. And I can't think of one issue they have come forward to make a difference in, this, in their oversight for the last four years. The commission chair, Reverend Jim Holly, also said he believed the recent Free Press editorial had inaccuracies. When his board reconvened Thursday, he said in some areas they've done a wonderful job, but also have more to do. These things are basically are inaccurate. Uh, inaccurate. The board greatly enhanced 
improve the department's use of force policy and other key policies, effective law enforcement practices. But the current status quo has been more than frustrating for Eric. I, I hate to describe it as a hopeless cause, but uh, there, there could be 10 of me. And, and at times there, there are 10 of me, but still there, there's a system involved. And, and, and one of the things that led me to my involvement in, in the charter revision is that if the charter isn't revised, if the union contracts aren't revised, there, there is nothing 20 of me could do. It is systematic. It is institutional. So what can be done? So there's there's really two avenues that um, that I think exist right now. Bryce Huffman again. The first is um, changing the city charter. If you update the city charter um, to to update the way BOPC functions, then that could circumvent some of the inefficiencies that we see. Um, one of the things that they could change is that there are four um, appointed members of the board, meaning they're not elected by Detroiters. Um, they're appointed by the mayor and approved by city council. An issue with that is that right now, the two uh, top members of the board, the chair and the vice chair, are both appointed members, not elected. It's it's not an attack on Martin Jones or Jim Holly. It is just that you can't have the most powerful positions in a civilian oversight board not be elected members. But I think the thing that immediately right now could change the board is voting in new candidates. You know, if you don't like what your commissioner's doing, you know, vote them out. Just vote sounds simple, but regardless of how you feel about the board, it's important. And in true free press and British Detroit fashion, we are here to help you understand what your choices are. Where, where can people go to get more information about just the election in general from the free press? The Detroit Free Press does a voter guide every year. You can find a link to it on our site and in all of our election coverage. And it's also made in partnership with Bridge. So a double thanks to Bryce and his team. I have to be honest, we weren't able to reach the writing candidates. But Deadline Detroit has a great voter guide to the Board of Police Commissioner races. They were able to get that information and reach the writing candidates. So you, know, you can check out their questionnaire. You can look at some candidates on our site. Between the two of them, you should get a full picture of who's running. That'll be in our show notes, too. In the meantime, whatever the result of the election, average residents like Eric refuse to give up the fight. Um, and, and maybe this is getting a little too personal. Every night and every morning, I kiss three generations of black women. Good night and good morning. Mm. So what? What kind of world am I leaving the youngest? What am I saying to the oldest on their suffering and sacrifices? And how do I protect the one in the middle, my wife? Do I just throw up my hands and say, no, the fight is too hard, too difficult, you're never going to win? No. Big thanks to Bryce Huffman of Bridge Detroit for talking with us. The Detroit Free Press teamed up with Bridge Detroit to create a voter's guide for this year's election. 
So just head to free.civicengine.com and enter your address and you'll see what your candidates had to say about the issues. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis and Adrian Roberts. I, Jeanette Delgado, and Marianne Struman are our executive producers. And Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks for listening. And if you like the show, leave a rating and subscribe. It really makes a difference. See you next week.